We're excited that you are here today, and um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? It's good to fellowship with other believers and other uh, Christians to uh, come together to build ourselves up, right? To hear uh, a word from the Lord, to sing out praises to Him, but don't forget one part. We have to give something, and that's our praise to the Lord, amen? That's why we are here. We're here to glorify our, our Father. So uh, let's just start and do that. Lord, uh, thank you for who you are, what you are in our lives. Remind us every moment of the day, Father, of who we are, of what has been paid for us. The price of Christ on the cross, Lord, has been paid for us. For us to remind ourselves that we are not failures. That we are not whatever our mind tells us that we might be. Lord, remind us of the truth that says we are saints. That we are children of the living God. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this time together. And speak to us in a clear way that we might be effective for the kingdom of God. In Christ's name, amen. You know, I believe that there's times in our lives where, you know, God maybe places something on our heart, like maybe dreams or, or uh, aspirations or goals that we might have in our life. And, you know, sometimes it feels like he gives them to us real quick. We accomplish those fairly fast sometimes. But I believe that there's also other times where it seems kind of like maybe the majority of the time when, when God puts things on our heart, we feel like the, the Lord has led us in, in a way, but then... He doesn't give them to us right away. Seems like there's like this waiting process. Any, anyone's ever felt that way? Okay, I'm not the only one. Good. You know, and, and often I think for me, I've wondered, you know, uh, what's God doing? What's he waiting for? I mean, I, I begin to ask, did I really hear from God? Or was that just Preston's mind? You know, you have to ask yourself that. And, and I found in these times when, is for me personally, while I'm waiting, I, I believe that God's preparing us for, for his promise. And, and, and what is his promise? He'll never leave us, that's right. There's many promises in God's word. Actually, in, in every book of the Bible, there's a promise that God has made. And, and you know, I, I found that during these times, it's extra hard sometimes for some, because waiting is not something that we're very good at, is it? Let's just be honest. I mean, that's why, I mean, just in LaBelle itself, don't think about it now, but I know I'm going to make you think about it now because that's how our minds work, but how many fast food places are there? I mean, you could just drive through, it's like, gone. You know, we don't wait. We are not the type of people for waiting. But, you know, during this waiting when God is working on us, what's, you know, he teaches us things. He, he reminds us of the, he, he grows our character. He, our faith, especially during these times of waiting. Uh, he, our ability to, to do what we feel God wants us to do. You know, a lot of times we feel God wants us to do something, but well, I, I can't do that because I, I don't know how. But, you know, God gives us the will and the power to do things if he places you know, them on our heart. And, and so it's kind of like as we're doing this waiting thing and he's building our character and our faith, it's, 
He's putting us through a process. You know, a process that, that's going to help us. And, and so the question is, can or maybe will we trust the process? The process that God has for us. And so I wanted to use a familiar story that, you know, you've, you've read many times, I'm sure. It's going to be on the screen. It's from, if you want to follow along in your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Give you a second to get there. And today I'm going to read from the New King, King James Version. I'm not sure why I picked that, but it just seems easy to read. Um, now the Lord said to Samuel, who was a prophet at the time, Okay, he was a, a man from God that God said this, and then Samuel would tell him what God said, okay? The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from the beginning, I'm sorry, from, for, from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn uh, with oil and go, and I am sending you to Jesse the, Beth, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and, and then I will show you what you shall do and you shall anoint for me the one that I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and he went to Bethlehem. Think about that. He went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peace, peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then concentrate. Then he concentrated, consecrated, sorry, consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was then... So it was, then he came and he looked at Elab, which was, and he said, surely this is the anointed uh, before God, before him. You know, Elab was the oldest son. Okay, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance or at the physical stature, stature, because I have refused him. For the, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and he is, and, and, there, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in, and now it was, and how, see how I hang out with Pastor Frank so long, I can't, just kidding. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes, good-looking. And the Lord said, Rise, anoint him, for this is the one. Last verse, 13. Then Samuel took the, the, horn, of the oil, an, horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to 
Ramah. Uh, read that story before? Yeah? You know, God came to Samuel and said, I've rejected Saul. He is no longer going to be my king. Now, if you backpedal a little bit to chapter 15, you'll find out why. But I'm going to let you do that in your homework, okay? So he says, I've rejected Saul as king, so go to Jesse, who I have decided I have chosen one of them to be king, one of his sons. So here's this prophet Samuel, um, and he, he trusted God. Samuel did. He, he did what the Lord told him, and um, he... He figured, though, if I'm going to anoint another king while Saul is still king, you know, that's probably going to be the end of the life for the old prophet, is what he told God. And, and, so, and, and, and God responded how? He says, well, this is why Pastor Frank always says it must have been Baptist back then. He said, kill a heifer and invite him over for dinner. You know, kill, and, and he says, take a cow and put together a sacrifice to me. And invite Jesse and his sons for the sacrifice. So when, when, when Saul arrived in, I'm sorry, when Samuel arrived in Bethlehem to speak to Jesse, what did the elders of the town do? Are you come here peacefully? Because what did prophets always bring? Doom and gloom, buddy. You guys are not acting right, so this is what's going to happen. And a lot of times, if they were true prophets of God, that's what happened. And so, you know, they were a little nervous. Uh, he said, don't worry. I have, I have come in peace, and I've come to make a sacrifice to God, and you guys are invited. So it seems probably the whole town showed up. All of Jesse's family was there. They showed up. And, and, and it's funny how you see how Samuel seemed like he had a little hunch. He had a little hunch. He said, well, must be, this must be the one God's chosen, the oldest son. You look how handsome he is look how tall and strong he looks and he is obviously the right one for the throne because he's physically fit he's 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 the the firstborn of jesse he must be the you know he's the one that's supposed to inherit jesse's fortune whenever he dies and so it must be this is what uh, samuel said it must be the one that god is uh picking I mean, I could understand why he would think that, wouldn't you? Sure. But look what's verse 7. Go back to verse 7. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider the appearance. Thank you. Do not consider the appearance or the physical statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart of man is what the Lord looks at. So the Lord does not look at the things that we look at. Isn't that interesting when you think about that? You look at, you look at people, you cast judgment, and we all are that way, but the Lord sees the heart, the heart of man. And, you know, I think this is such an awesome verse that we, we should probably, I, I really believe that we should memorize that verse. Verse 7. Because so often, we forget that. We forget that. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. And so, here we are all day long bombarded by opinions of how we should look. We are bombarded about how white my teeth should be. We are bombarded how shiny my hair, or the lack of how much hair I have. They even have things that will make your hair grow back. 
they say. Didn't work on me. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I did try it way back a long time ago. I, I really had a problem with how, how that was going on. And, uh, but, you know, the list goes on and on and on. We are bombarded by all the way of the society, of the way people th- say we should look. But I think we need to remember to, to make our hearts full of what? Love and grace and the things that please the Lord. Don't you? But let's, let's go back to the story here. Um, so one after the other, uh, uh, Jesse brings his sons. And, and Samuel's like, nope, not this one. Nope, not this one. Nope, that's not the one either. Nope, not, not this one. Nope. Until all seven of the children have passed in front of him. And then Samuel says, are, there, are these all of them? Because I'm sitting here talking to the Lord, and he's like, I don't know. Well, there is one left, Jesse said. And who was that? It was David. It was David, the, the future king that wasn't uh, king yet. Um, so, <laughs> I can't see. What did the scripture say about David? He was glowing with health. He was fine appearance. He was handsome, Chuck. I mean, it kind of like sounded like you're describing me. Just kidding, just kidding. But the Lord said, rise up, anoint him. This is the one. So think about this. If this was a movie, if this was a movie and Saul was the king at this time, immediately Saul would be dethroned from the king, David would have been brought in on, by his friends, you know, here's the new king, and he'd have been placed on the throne, and everything would have probably changed. But that's not what happened. It's not a movie, is it? It's, it's God's word. So Samuel anoints King David. He anoints David, and it's kind of like at that moment, the story stopped a moment for me. You know, when the part of the story ends, the, the Bible tells us that David went back to doing what? He went back to sheep herding. Now the whole town just watched him. His, all his brothers, the youngest, he's the youngest, and all his older brothers just watched this prophet of the Lord come in and anoint him to be king. But he goes back and plays with the sheep. Interesting when you, when you read that story and you think about it. And What do you think God's waiting on with David? He's anointed as king, but yet he's not king. He's anointed long before he became king, before God wanted him to be the king. You know why? Because there was a process, I believe, that God needed to work out to to help David in his life. He was uh, anointed for the job. And and here's the definition of process. It's a series of Steps taken in order to achieve a particular goal. A process. There's a process. Um, there's, a, there's some things that in our lives that um, we need to st- put before God so he can help us with that process. Amen? Amen. But most of the things that uh, we do have a process. You know, the ladies on Tuesday, they come in here and do sewing. And they sew a lot. Are any of the ladies here? The sewing ladies? No? Okay. Well, 
I believe me, Pastor Frank Terrell will verify. They come every Tuesday, and there's a process. I mean, they're dragging their, their um, what are those things called? Sewing machines, thank you. They're dragging those things in. You know, they get, some of them have washed the fabric. Um, some of them have ironed the fabric. Uh, uh, they, they cut the patterns out. They're making those little pouches over there's one over there by pastor frank's desk there's little carriers they're putting these books in um they 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 sew on the handles and uh you know maybe they put some buttons on there and there's a process how about when you paint a house there's a process when you paint the house what do you have to do first you have to pressure wash you have to get the tools and stuff out. You have to trim the, the stuff you don't want to get paint on. Put some tape on there. You have to get the brushes ready. You have to finally paint. Then what do you have to do? You've got to clean up your mess. I mean, so there's obviously a process. Wouldn't it be nice to just go, you know what, I'm going to paint today. Ooh, here I am painting, you know. And then when I'm done painting, I'm like, I'm done painting. And just walk away. That's why you have someone help you like me and says, hey, clean that mess up. But it's just the point I want us to see that there's a process in most everything that we do. There's some sort of process uh, uh, in, in the things we are doing. And this process is essential. You know why? Because it's, gonna, it's, it's what we must do to get to the results that we're looking for, the process. Um, so here's the question. It's a good question, too. While we are waiting... Will we allow God to develop us, or do we become bitter while we're waiting? Do we allow God to develop us, or do we become bitter? David believed in this process. Um, He had no idea when he was going to be king. But he knew that this this prophet had anointed him king. Um, Think about it. David could have had a huge range of emotions that he was struggling with that was regarding this situation. Maybe it was anger during his waiting. Maybe he was confused during his waiting. Maybe he had a little bit of pride among his brothers. Yeah, baby, me, the king. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he didn't. But these are things that we deal with while we're waiting. Um, maybe he was impatient. Uh, He could have stopped caring. But the story doesn't give us any of that, that it happened. Why? Why do you think? David knew, I believe, that God was using this time, this process, to bring about the promises for him to be king. Look what Isaiah says in in chapter 30, in verse 18. It says, therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. You should probably write these down. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who wait for him. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It said, let those who wait for the Lord, yet, I'm sorry, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength, They will mount up on wings like eagles, and they will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary. So here's what's happening. People say, you know, I had faith, but God didn't do it. Um, 
you know, they're, they're frustrated with God when, when, when we think that way. Um, they, you know, feel like God said it was going to happen, but it never did. I felt for sure that God was telling me, but it just never happened. You think about that. And I've said it to myself before. This, I had faith is kind of a past tense kind of thing. And faith doesn't work like that. If you think that you have faith for a moment and then that faith goes away when you noticed something didn't happen at the very moment you thought it should happen, that's not faith. Okay, Faith is, is, is what keeps us going when we see um, what's, you know, it keeps us going. Waiting for that promise that God has. And what has God promised all of us as followers of, of him? Someone. That we'll spend eternity with him. That he's going to make it okay. That no matter what we struggle with, it's okay. You know, God has made these promises to us. And, and, and faith causes us to say, I may not have seen it yet. But I know that God has promised it. And I sure will see it one day. I, I, you know, we have to th- think that. We have to, we have to settle our minds that we're going to go through a process that God will use to, to bring about His promises. We're going to go through this process. And you know what's going to happen during this process? We get strengthened. A lot of times, most of the time, when tragedies come into our lives... We grow closer to God, especially, mostly for Christians. You know, uh, it's hard for, for those that don't know Christ. Okay, uh, think about the anointed, not the appointed. So, one of the things that seems to hinder a lot of people when trying to trust the process, I think we mistake the anointing of God for the appointing of God. And, you know, David had the anointing to be king, but he wasn't appointed yet, was he? He, he was anointed to be king, but he, he did not yet have the appointment to be king. Think about this. Like I said, everyone was there. Other people saw this anointing. Uh, and Samuel poured the, the oil over the head of David and anointed him of king. And, and like I said, the whole town might have been there watching all this, and they probably were wondering a lot of things, don't you think? Uh, you, um, you might see your anointing. You, you might think that, that, that you're a better student. You might be a better student than everyone else. You might be a better, a greater singer than those around you. Maybe you're the most successful salesperson uh, that you know, um, and other people can see it. And then what happens? They start telling you, oh, man, you're so great. You're so great. Um, uh, how, how far will you go, they ask you, you know. And, and, and what happens? This can cause us to think, I can see it. I'm pretty good, ain't I? You know? um, others see it. They tell me, what's God waiting for? Why don't God see it? We wonder. What, what, you know, I've always had that question. What's God waiting for? It's almost like we get tunnel vision. You know what tunnel vision is? You know, all you can see is the light at the end of the tunnel. You can't see everything else that's happening around you. And what happens? We make mistakes. We're not looking. We're not seeing the things that are going on around us. We get tripped up 
because we cannot see. We're only looking to where we're headed. I mean, if you can't see what God's doing around you and the people that he's putting in your lives because um, you're so focused on that boat that all you want, Preston, in your life is that boat. And you can't see nothing else but that boat. You follow me? You tracking what I'm saying? And I miss a lot of the other things that God has putting in my life because all I can see is that boat. I've had to talk to myself about that. I'm, I'm just being clear and transparent with you. That's tunnel vision, though. You, 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 you're, you're not um, worried about the things around you. You're just worried about the goal. God wanted David to see in his life things to help him through the process to become king. David goes back to tending sheep, and what happens? This is what's interesting. This is what's interesting to me. Uh, if you keep reading from chapter 4, I'm sorry, same chapter we were just in, 14 through 19, it talks about how um, the spirit of the Lord left Saul because he was no longer going to be king, and, and, and an evil uh, spirit was going to torment him. And so Saul's servant said, you know, while you're so distraught and distressed by this evil spirit, why don't we get someone that can play some music, and then whenever you're being attacked by this evil spirit, we'll get that person to play some music, and it'll make you feel better. By the way, I know someone that says, one of the services I have played a million, says, says he is a, I know someone, I've seen a son in Jesse's house of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine-looking man, and he and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent the messenger to Jesse and said, Send me your son who is with the sheep. He mastered the liar. I don't even know what that is. Do you? Oh, it's a string thing. See, I did good. But while Jesse was out there tending the sheep, he became a musician. You know, if you think about it, um, Psalms 19 was written while he was a sheep herder. Fast forward to chapter 17, 1 Samuel. What what does everyone that don't even follow Christ know about David? He killed Goliath. Chapter 17, it's right there. It says the first part of verse 32, it says, Let no man's heart fall because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Maybe, um, you know, we can't shortcut the process. We can't, you know, shortcut the, the, the process because you might short circuit the product. And, and David had to prepare. He had to prepare to be king. I mean, if he'd never had mastered how to play that stringed instrument, he'd have never been chosen to play for Saul. And Saul would have not have been any familiar with him at all. If, if he had not killed the lion and the bears while he was shepherding the sheep, Saul may have never let him go and face Goliath. Now, if he didn't go and face and kill Goliath, the people of Israel may have never thought, this is going to be a great king. 
and trusted him and, 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 and accepted him as king. If David did not prepare, he would have been squandered. He would have squandered the opportunity. But he was willing to wait on the Lord. Which had eventually led him to the king. So your, your faith, we, we need to let our faith be our strengthen, our strength. You know, it may strengthen us. No, here's what we need to know. We need to know that the Lord is preparing us for today. Because we don't know that the Lord's not going to call us home tomorrow. Right? He's preparing us for the now, for the moment. And, and, and even for the future, for what He has promised us. He wants us to go through this process. He's teaching us during this time to trust Him. To be bold in your faith. He's growing our character Kind of like fine-tuning your gifts. And I know many of you probably say, well, I don't really have any gifts. Yes, you do. You just haven't looked for it that well yet. It's there. We need to trust the Lord. The process will bring about the promise of the Lord. And the promise is that if you trust in Him, you have eternity. We've, we've talked about it. The promise is that if you believe in His... Uh, perfect gift, Jesus Christ, that He is who He says He is, the promise is that you are saved from your sins. Now, maybe uh, you've never said, Lord, I need to be forgiven. I know I'm a sinner. It's a perfect time to do that today. It's a perfect time. Because then God can start the process of where He wants you to be in the future. Because He has someone already in mind that He wants you to tell about who He is. He wants you to love on. A lot of times we don't have to say anything. We just got to love on people. Okay, so let's stand and uh, we'll do our time of invitation. And if the Lord is speaking to you, come. Let's start the process.